Hey everybody, and welcome back to the Johnny Eckloff podcast. I'm your host, Johnny Eckloff, and I wanted to talk today about the most painful thing that I'm going through right now is a slow and steady divorce. So let's get into this. So welcome, and I just want to say that this is the most painful thing that I've ever felt in my entire fucking life. So we will, I'll just share only what I can, and then just leave the rest to maybe a later date once, you know, once things are quieted down on like the, uh, yeah, I don't know, the emotion side of it, but um, I will say that it's been pretty wild, and and I blame the Mormon Church a hundred percent for this divorce. Um, so you know, I take I take full responsibility for anything that I've done to upset my wife or to make her feel like you know, oh wow, Johnny's just kind of, you know, he's. A, he was kind of a bad idea because you know I had a temper when when the pressures of life mounted, and I, you know, I I yelled, and um, but not directly at her. I would just kind of rage around the house when I just was so upset, and um, it got really bad when I left when I found out Mormonism was was uh, total bullshit. So that really that really took out like this fucking Satan in me. And I just was, I was just blowing fire, you know, and it wasn't so much at her as it was at just everything and everyone in my, in my life and life itself. It was fucking horrific. And when we got married, we were, we knew each other for only five months from start to finish before we got married. And, you know, I think that there is, uh, there's total blame by Mormonism. And this is why. So I was going to, um, I was going through school, I was doing, I was dating around, I was, I was really having a lot of fun with it. And then like I was talking about with the, uh, with the filling your canteen thing, I was, I was really just saying, Hey, you know, this is, uh, this is just what one of the perks of being a, a Mormon does, you know, you get to date around and, and to get to just be, be, uh, able to duck out of a relationship when you don't want one. And you have like a perfect excuse every time instead of taking responsibility for it. And, you know, uh, there's other valiant people out there, perfect people that, oh, excuse me, whoa, shit, why do I start yawning when I start doing these things, fuck, but, um, I was, uh, I was going through all this stuff, and, and just taking this escape, you know, and not building any healthy relationships, really just leaving one destroyed relationship after another, because I didn't want to do the hard work, uh, the emotional work that it takes to be in a relationship, um, because, you know, that's, I never really, I never wanted a relationship, I thought they were disgusting, because, uh, 
you know, I saw guys do all these things for their girlfriends and then they had to be kind of like on their leash. And I was just so disgusted by that because I was like, dude, you are young, man. Like, go and live your fucking life. You're just 16, for God's sakes, man. 17, 18, you're still so young. Don't be on a fucking leash, right? But, but that was just, that was just, that's, that's the culture. That is the culture. And you get ready for marriage very fucking young. And you need to start growing up quick, right? So we start wearing suits and ties at age 12. We start, you know, becoming presidents of shit. We start talking about, you know, being very, you know, just adult, really young. And, and I think that's so fucking sick. And, and I always heard about, like, um, their their top leader called the prophet at the time, uh, Tom Tommy Monson. He, he started... Um, I think he did not go on a mission, actually, which is which is mind blowing. But he didn't go on a mission. But um, but he became a bishop, I believe, at age twenty two, uh, when he got back from the war or whatever. He was he was you know he was a bishop at age twenty or twenty two. I can't remember over like one of the largest wards in or congregations in Utah of like a thousand people. And he just like went to work, quote unquote. So he was just, you know, obsessed with church. And anyway, so he just, um, you, you hear about like this very common cultural thing, right? Like get married young and have a lot of kids and, um, and then you're going to be happy. Like, it's just like this, this recipe, they just throw out there like, yeah, get married young, do it in faith, prove to the Lord you're going to be, you know, this faithful person and just reject yourself. Don't worry about yourself, worry about God and he's going to bless you like you wouldn't fucking believe and you're like, okay. And man, I was believing and counting on those blessings for sure. And um, like I said in the last episode, if this if this Book of Mormon was actually true, all this shit wouldn't be so painful. Um, but so, so when they, when they kind of put me in this soup that I'm in, right, of like this, don't build, don't work on healthy long-term relationships, just, you know, just keep them really shallow, don't get deep, don't catch feels, you know, or else you're going to go through a lot of trauma when you go on a mission because blah, blah, blah. They had all these reasons and they're just always fucking talking about it. And, um, which makes sense to me because it takes a lot to get a wild child like myself on a mission and working as hard as I did and being as effective as I was, even though I didn't get baptisms, I was filling my planners full of shit to do. And I was making a difference every fucking day. I was making a fucking difference. And, um, you know, I was going through all this shit. And I was I was with all these different guys that I did not want to live with. I did not want to live with them. One dude, Luke. Luke Porter was the only dude I could fucking chill with because he skateboarded. And we got it. And he was chill. And I was like, cool. But the rest of the guys, dude, I could have just been like, you know what? I don't want to be with you at all. One fucking second. I wouldn't choose you to... No, no, no. We are done here. No. 
I don't want to fucking live with people I don't want to fucking live with. Uh, but I had to because that was what a good Mormon did. So I had to like, I had to just fucking go through so much shit for nothing. So anyway, so now I'm like, I'm home and I'm horny as fuck, dude. And they're like, you cannot masturbate. And man, 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 I didn't. I didn't masturbate. I masturbated when I was like, I started when I was like 12, 13, maybe 12. And it just was like, wow, this feels so good. And then they had like these little talks and in, in church about, you know, your body's like a little factory and, you know, that always blah, blah, blah. Like Boyd, Ka- Boyd Packer, like was a, a leader that wrote this special little book for men talking about, you know, your jizz and how to keep it under control or something instead of just saying, yeah, it's normal, you know, just don't, you know, don't flash that around other people and be, you know, careful and it's, it's, it can make people uncomfortable, but it's something that's nice on, to do alone. And that's just kind of like what you, ah, anyway, whatever, dude. And you're going to develop sexual fantasies anyway. Like they're going to come and you're going to have the weirdest sexual fantasies if you can't just indulge in a little bit of sexuality for God's sake. So Anyway, so that was just in response to like, oh yeah, like if you be, if you masturbate, you become like a sex addict or whatever. And I'm like, dude, there's no such thing like nearly, I don't, I swear there's like no such thing as a sex addict. There is probably, there is when it's like, when it's just, yeah, there is, there is, but not, <laughs> not someone that just wants to masturbate every other day and have sex with their wife every other day. Like that's not a that's not sex addiction for fuck's sake. Sex addiction's like ten times a day and you can't do anything. You can't go to work, you know, you can't you have all these I don't even I don't even comprehend sex addiction and so I won't talk about it, but I will say that it's just horrific when pe- people are trying to hint that you're a sex addict if you want to have sex a, f- a couple times a week, a few times a week. Um or masturbate every day, once a day, that that you're a sex addict. It's like, what the fuck? Anyway, um, it's not a big deal. I mean, Natasha Parker, Helfer, Parker, uh, Natasha uh, is ex-Mormon now, because she was excommunicated. Natasha, we're so, this is such a fucking hard time for you, and and we're, I'm so grateful for you, by the way. I just have to say, I love you, Natasha. And you're so open about sexuality. You have normalized it in so many ways for me. I was just this scared person around sex. And I'm like, like, just so terrified of my own body and my own sexuality and my own desires and needs and wants that you were just, you were just like cutting through all these old things for me. And I'm like, whoa, 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 you know, and I loved, uh, I love what she says about like consent and the truth about like, you know, just because you're turned on doesn't mean you have to have sex with the person you're turned on towards or, you know, she was doing one particular YouTube video I was watching. It was really interesting. She was just like talking about sex. She was talking about, you know, I guess, um, becoming, uh, becoming aroused. And then she told the whole audience in her fucking room there. She was like, 
I am now lubricated, guys. And they're like, oh, what? <laughs> like, she's like, I am lubricated. I am turned on. I'm feeling like my, my vagina's open and lubricated. And now, does that mean that anyone in this room gets to have sex with me? Does that mean I, I want to have sex with some of you in here? No. It just means that I am turned on. And that doesn't mean anything other than it's just that I'm turned on because we're talking about sex. And we're talking about these things that are turning me on. And, and possibly other people in the room were turned on. And she was like, it's fine. It doesn't mean... And anyway, so that was a really huge moment for me to be like, oh, yeah, so it's okay to get an erection when I have a sexy thought. Uh, when I see someone I'm attracted to or when I watch, you know, whatever. It's okay because you don't like, it's just, it's not like a, oh no, we got to take care of this, you know, this stiff dick. We got to take care of it. Ah!" Like, oh no, this vagina is lubricated. Someone's got to stick something in it. Oh no, you know, hurry. And uh, it's just like, well, that's just, yeah, that's a pleasurable thing to experience, you know, that's, and it doesn't mean anything past that. So, uh, I highly recommend her, and she may even be like, Johnny, you don't know what you're talking about. And I'll be like, yeah, I know, I don't, thank you. So she's a certified sexologist, I highly recommend her. She's, she's been excommunicated for what she believes in, and for healing people, okay? Jesus healed people, and yet she can't somehow get to stay in his church. So she's going around healing people, and she gets excommunicated for it. It's really great. Super great. So I'm glad that, you know, I'm glad that it's obvious. It's like more and more and more and more obvious. But for now, to me, it's obvious that it's, it's completely, completely (laughs) not a place uh, to be. So in that church, but you know, whatever, people can keep making it hip and cool all they want, but it doesn't change the fact that the very top is just disgusting. And they don't know anything about health or happiness or, yeah, they just don't. Oh, our prophet is a doctor. I'm like, well, he's a dipshit then because he's a fucking idiot. He doesn't know anything about sexuality. He doesn't know anything about almost anything. So all he knows about to do is run a mega multi-billion dollar empire. And he works on hearts like a long time ago in as a surgeon. I mean, fuck that guy. I don't care. It doesn't fucking matter if someone's a heart surgeon. It doesn't now mean, oh, he knows everything. And it's like, oh, but God's giving him this. Spe-. No, it's no, he's not. Because people that are healthy are coming in and saying the opposite things that a prophet of God is saying about what makes them healthy and happy and, and independent and, and just free. Like, no, 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 no. So anyway, but... Um, yeah, whatever. Fuck that guy. So, so I'm in this, this whole state of mind where I'm like, okay, so I can't have sex until I'm married. I really, really want to have sex because it sounds so fun, so exciting, right? And then you get that, you kind of go a little too far in those makeout sessions and then, you know, a shirt gets taken off and you see boobs for the first time as a guy and you're like, Ooh! Like what? You know, you just, you're just, you're just so ready for it, right? Oh, but don't get near that. Don't get into makeout sessions. You're just like, 
dude, fuck you, man. That, no, no, this is natural. This is normal. Get away from me. The girl is, we were fine. We were two consenting parties and this is normal. So anyway, but, uh, so I was just going through all this, like, uh, blocking, you know, blocking of sexual energy and I didn't masturbate once. I was believing like full on, you know, like I stopped masturbating when I was 18 and then never masturbated until like, uh, I think it was like a couple weeks before I got married. And so that was when I was 22 and that was like, so 18 to 20, so four years of no no orgasms and and just like crazy right just the amount of sexual pressure and cramming was was so intense and like it was just a couple weeks before my my wedding that our wedding that I was like I can't handle this sexual like I'm so excited to have sex you know so I just was like I just would like rub rub up against my like uh, night clothes or whatever. And I just was like, just imagining what this must, this is going to be like to finally have sex, you know, the, the Lord's way. (laughs) Anyway, so, you know, going through that, I was like, wow, this is really going to be exciting. But now I look at it and I'm like, this is really disgusting. This is crazy. This is crazy because it worked so well for that church to do what they do uh, to kids, to cram their sexual energy, to tell them all these lies about things, and then to get them to freak out about sex instead of teach them how to do it proper, how to build strong relationships, um, how to, yeah, just go through. But, you know, then it's, then you're like, okay, so maybe no one in this church really knows how to have a healthy relationship because so many of these marriages are built on this rickety ass um, plan that they have, right? To marry young, never have sex, get married young, and then have a lot of kids and then lose yourself in depression and postpartum depression. And then, and then the dad has to go run out and, and find money like a crazy person because kids are now needing a bunch of stuff. And especially in America, you don't really have a lot or any help. Um, so you have to rely even he- more heavily on that church that gave you the problem of not being prepared to have a family, and then you're stuck, so stuck. In Swedish, you say "sitta fast." You are sitting fast. You're sitting. You're completely stuck, and um, you, it, it's it's unbelievable. It's unreal. Because now now that I'm like in Swedenland and I'm seeing how people do it. You know, I'm seeing people that are my age that are just starting to have kids and they're 35, sometimes 40, and they're having their first kids. And I'm like, holy shit, what the hell? And they've got like a nice house that they're, they've been, you know, they've been preparing for these kids. Life is, you know, they've, they've traveled, they've seen stuff, they've done stuff, they've got their degrees if they wanted them, they've got their, their they've got their job or business fixed, you know, and then they bring, they're bringing their little, their little chickens into their little nest that they built before the babies are hatched. And God, can I, can I, I can just say that 
Julie Beck gave me the worst advice. I've, I, I hate that woman. She, she came to a seminary thing one time and she said, have kids in faith. You know, we had no money in the bank when we had our kids, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, pfft, this is the General Relief Society president talking directly to me in this little small group. And she's saying, I'm going to be such a good seminary teacher. And she's, you know, she's just all about, she's just so pro-church, right? And uh, she's like, this is what we did. And so I just really leaned on these people for like good examples and, you know, it just, oh, it's so, so unbelievable how stupid it all is now. But, you know, they just all thought they were doing the right thing. You know, this is how you live on planet Mars. You know, this is just what you do. And it's like, well, you don't have to live on a different planet. We, we live on planet Earth, man. Like, you know, you guys are all getting us ready to live on Mars. And we don't even live there. And anyway, so... So I hope I'm making this as as difficult to understand as possible. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm trying to make it clear, but I like I said, every every idea, every thought is just all crammed up in my brain. So I'll try and get some linear stuff going on. So we so yeah, I go on this mission. I decide that this is, you know, this is the least this is the most likely thing to do in my life that will lead me to a life full of happiness, like in my world, you know, then I won't get any shame from my parents. I won't get any shame from my community. I'll look good towards the girls uh, that are supposed you know, the, the good Mormon girls, uh, because I want a good Mormon wife and I want a good Good, 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 just good across the board, right? I just want everything to be good, and so this mission is what I thought was going to lead to that, and so, so I go, and I don't go right at nineteen. I wait a little longer. I'm like, ooh, like still just like, ooh, I don't know, guys, ooh, you know, I just really like skateboarding, and I really like freedom, especially because I just got out of high school, and I'm feeling. I'm feeling so much freedom. I really want to travel the world. Oh, hey, maybe, you know, this this mission will give me a chance to go to Sweden like I've always wanted to do. So I, I kind of put that, I, I definitely put that in like big bold letters on my application to, to go be a free labor salesman for two years, working 70 hours a week, seven days a week, is that I, I, uh, Okay, six and a half, six point five days a week. Sorry, guys, all you out there that are just keeping just all these little notes. Oh, he said this wrong. It's not seven days a week. It's only six and a half. Well, six point two five. Come on, Johnny, you're overreacting. <laughs> you know, seventy hours a week, guys. Fuck you. And so, um, when you're getting ready to go on this thing, you're just like, okay, cool. Like, but I really don't think that this is my thing. But but the whole community just comes alive. You know, they start tap dancing on the tables when you tell them you think you're going to go on a mission and it just it just sparks this like goofy goober in them and they're like the blue like oh my god and they just lose their shit and they start telling you stories from their mission and it just becomes this big like this big party and you're like wow, this is 
really great because, you know, I like parties and uh, I like uh, happy people and excitement. You know, this is great. And so I go to this fucking missionary training center and I'm just like, you know what? Oh man, this is, this is not okay. Like I hated Provo. I hated BYU. Hated BYU. I just thought it was the dumbest thing. Oh my God. I thought it was the dumbest thing from a very young age. And I just thought this, this is so stupid. Like, no, oh, 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 no. Like, no, it just repelled, it repulsed me. And I, I just was like, okay, whatever. So it takes, it took some time to like wrap my brain around it. But then I saw some cool people going on missions, you know, people that I skateboarded with and then some other friends and that they were like, oh yeah, we're all going to go to the missionary training center at the same time. And so this corporation has set up training centers to prepare kids to go be free labor salesmen door to door, how to dress, how to think, how to talk, how to walk, you know, the kind of bag you can use. We couldn't have a backpack on my, in my little geographical, you know, sales office area. It was, it was, you have to have a side, you have to have a side bag. You need to have a side bag, you know, like a man purse, basically. And you're just subjected to all this shit, all this shit. And you have to comb your hair, like part your hair. You have to have a part in your hair. You have to shave your face. You, you are just, you are just on the watch of like this disgusting perfection and you're just like I don't dig this shit man I want long hair and a skateboard fuck you and I want to make a few bucks that will fuel my skateboarding life and give me chance a chance to buy a plane ticket to fly to Australia or Sweden or New Zealand or anywhere just give me a backpack and get me on the road is what I was going through but then this religion just Oh, man, with the power they held to get me to just forget my my life, my self. Oh, no, no. My future was in their hands. And somehow, somehow it got there. And I'm like, holy shit, how did this happen? Anyway, so this is, it's traumatic that the Book of Mormon is not true because, man, I, I, I jammed on that, that book every day. I, I studied that thing till it was threadbare. I read it and I was playing games with like memorizing games like, hey, you know, uh, you call each other elder. So I'm like, hey, elder, like quiz me. And so we'd just be walking from door to door and between doors, I'd be playing this game trying to guess what chapter, what verse he was reading. And I was getting good. I was getting good at this Book of Mormon game. And everyone could tell you that's that was my gig. That was my game. And I got like one of these little mini Book of Mormons where you could like put it in your pocket. So it was a lot easier to keep. And then I would just pull that thing. I was I was jamming on the Book of Mormon like every fucking day. And I thought it was just so cool. It was so rad. Like I was making Mormonism cool, you know, like I, I, I just I was trying to fit into this this weird ass religion as I was. And then shit got really tough, like a year, (laughs) a year into this 70 hour work weeks, seven days a week. 
that I was like, you know what? I think that I am just tired of doing this. I'm just tired of doing this. And I just was getting so tired of it. You know, like moving around every six weeks, you don't know where you're going to live. So you're always nervous. You're always like, where am I going to live? And you build up this big sales office, this, all this, this pool of people you've talked to and had amazing experiences with. And you're trying to just really, you're really trying to work to change the world. You know, you're really trying to to suck all unhappiness and unfairness out of this, this planet and spit it out into the, to the blackness of the universe and just really make this world a bubble full of joy. And, you know, you had all these answers because you were being led by a prophet and you had this special book that was given to you by Native Americans on that, that wrote on golden plates and they, <laughs> like, they, Native Americans didn't have access to fucking metals, guys. Like, they're, like metallurgy was not... <laughs> A Native American thing. It was not. It was like stone, man. Stone and bone. And it was not metal. It was not chariots. It was not horses. It was just a bunch of guys that were hunter-gatherer tribes and no metal. No metal! Until Europeans came along. Anyway, but miraculously, they had these, these plates of gold, you know, this metallurgy. Well, I guess they did have gold, though, like in America, whatever. I guess I'll give them that. And maybe there's like some stuff here and there, but the anachronisms in the Book of Mormon are just ridiculous. Just because that's the thing about the Book of Mormon is because Joseph Smith just sucked in all of these things and then he just assembled them in his, his, in his Bible fan fiction book. And, that, and then he called it the Book of Mormon. So it just, it's, it doesn't matter if there might be one thing to be like, see, but look, see, there was metal. There were some metal, there was some gold, you know, they were using this and using that. And you know, this is, this is that, and you can't do it. And it's like, look, listen, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. The, the whole thing, the whole thing's a ruse and it's, it's proven. It's just proven. There's a horse going by right now. I love hearing horses go by. We live in this like uh, wealthier area um, and a lot of people ride horses and they're all dressed up like English style riders and I'm used to like the cowboy style, right? From being born in Jackson, Wyoming is, you know, that was the rugged wild west. So anyway, love horses. My grandpa was a, uh, a whore, avid horse guy too. He was just so into horses before he died and his whole life. So I just, I really, I love that he wasn't Mormon too. And it gave us, he gave me someone to go to when I left Mormonism, like a real, real, real good uh, resource and, you know, person to talk to about all my stresses and struggles. And he was right there for me. And God, I, I miss my grandpa, Pat. Patrick McBride. Patrick McBride, but he was a cowboy, and he loved his horses. Man, he loved his horses. And dude, he's he's just a dynamite dude. So um, I miss I miss him. I really do. I didn't get to go to his funeral either. He died last year, and um, but you know it's 
it's just the way it goes. It's just the way it goes. We just keep on rolling. And, um, but I'm so grateful for the three years that I had to talk to him. Uh, I would call him at least once a month to just kind of like go through and vent about life and ask him for his opinion, his sage advice, because he's older and he ran businesses. And he was always telling me how proud he was of me. And I just, man, that my grandpa Pat saved my life in so many ways. And I just love him so much. Um, and, you know, we were kind of, it was kind of tough to have him in our life because he was ex-Mormon, you know, and he's, he's, uh, he was pretty vocal about it and it wasn't uh, it wasn't okay and i you know and i understand like what my parents were going through they were trying to keep us in this you know this perfect mormon bubble because they want they believed really strongly that that church would really you know deal out a really good life uh, better than they could do themselves you know they wanted to be close to a church so they had all this these magical blessings, but not, I I don't want to like, I don't want to say they were believing in magic, but it seems a little like that's what happens, right? People are like, oh, but like, we need to have the magic of this church. You know, they, they have all the youth programs and scouts and they, they really have like a structure that we want our family to be around. And it kind of gives us like a sense of unity and purpose. And we all, we can, oh, anyway, it's, it's really sad that people, that we don't just feel like the power to do this without a church just to be like dude make your own family culture make your own family traditions make your own family structure you know make make things happen don't wait for a church to tell you what to do just do it and if you need help get help to make these systems but don't cont- oh ew ew so i'm in the middle of that right now right i need to make sure that we figure out our traditions and our systems and and things are getting better now that I'm opening up and going to therapy that I'm able to just offload this past shit because it's just it just harbors your brain you know it just keeps it takes up so much goddamn space on your hard drive that you really just your random access memory is so bogged down and you just need to clear out the fucking hard drives of your brain and just be like all right that's all erased i mean it's all dealt with it's all you know filed correctly but it's on a separate hard drive a backup drive way far away it's not clouding up everyday life on the desktop it really is just like okay desktop is for today so we have a great future moving forward rather than you know having to um have this uh, brain of ours access all this other shit you know if you're editing if you edit a video for instance and you are on you're on even a really strong computer cannot handle a full hard drive you have to get this hard drive off uh, unloaded so you can so you can have space to uh to edit and to output because it's it takes a lot of energy and a lot of space um to to do this these programs um so anyway when i think of like the programs of life my brain runs i think like Dude, this makes so much sense. I'm so grateful for computers that actually teach us something about the human brain. You know, that it's not, it's, it, it is very, our brains are very amazing. They're like, they are like supercomputers, but it's, it's just unbelievable that we let them go so far 
and get so bogged down and yet we don't like I don't think this way until talking about it and then I'm like oh that makes perfect sense like I'm just gonna I'm just gonna take all my ideas and my thoughts and my feelings and experiences and frustrations and everything and I'm gonna take them off my personal everyday life computer and I'm gonna put it onto an external hard drive Right. And I feel like that's kind of what I'm doing right now with this podcast is I'm offloading it because it's valuable information. It's important to me. It's important to be able to go through, but you need to be able to have it to be an accessible thing. You don't want to just dump your computer and be like, all right, I have all this free space now. Wee! And you're like, but. But what? But wait, but what about this? What about that? How could you delete that? How, you know, these are pictures of your kids when they're little. Like, you, you, you don't have any memory. Like, how could you do that? You know? And so it's like, oh, shit. Yeah, you're right. And, and this also helps other people like scientists look and analyze data, right? You, you're able to, I'm able to put this into something that's also shareable and hopefully entertaining in some way but like mostly it's just it's it's really just for my for my therapy and for for getting rid of it on my desktop so here we go we're all a part of this really great analogy that just kind of was born <laughs> right now that's a great analogy i love it so anyway so back to the mission i'm going through this mission and I'm, and i just had i have to become more goober right if i'm gonna survive if i'm gonna you know get this mission done if i'm gonna continue to work my 70 hours a week i've got to and wear my shirt and tie (laughs) and pant and slacks and church shoes and church socks and and walk around in the cold uh and put on all these layers and you know live in this horrific apartment where people are smoking on on the first floor and we're on the second and so their smoke actually was permeating up through the floor and making me choke as if I was living in their apartment when they were smoking I mean that was so awful I was like this is this is terrible what the fuck and you know you're living in a place you don't want to live at I did not want to live in Pennsylvania I fucking didn't and I still wish I didn't I wish I knew nothing about that place. Like, I don't give a fuck about Pennsylvania. I think it's her- stupid when you're like, I want to live in Sweden. They're like, too bad. You're like, okay, I thought we just, I, I thought we were free. What happened to freedom? Okay, well, all right, well, I guess I have no freedom. They're like, right, the, the greatest victory is surrender. You need to surrender your will. And then you will be victorious. You're like, I don't think you're you don't understand what freedom is um okay cool but if you would just tell me you know, oh it's disgusting so whatever i uh, am on this mission and i'm i'm like a year mark and i'm like okay you know um blah 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 and this uh my mission president dies <laughs> okay the this guy that's over this mission um mr jensen um i don't know his first name but they called him President Jensen, and the poor guy, um, it was only 49, and he had eight children, and he was our our president, and he dies. And he was only out maybe four months into this 
into this crazy sales thing. And it's sad. It's really sad because there's so much you wonder, like all of the stress that he was under. I wonder if that was was maybe a leading cause for his for his uh, his death. I don't know. I don't know. And whatever they said something about calcified something calcified in his arteries. Maybe he was eating too much American greasy food. I don't know what what was happening. Poor guy though. Poor family. It was gut wrenching and heart wrenching and traumatic to watch this family go through this enormous loss. And then we were all just like stunned. We were like, what do we do? And then out came the last president who had already been there for three years. He came back out to cover uh, for this guy that died uh, for a year. And so he was, I don't think he should have, no, he should have been. It was, he was a perfect guy, really, to be there, to, real, to make me realize that it is just about sales. And it's just a sales mission. It's a sales trip. And he's trying to get us to get baptisms. And that's basically all that is about. Like, it's all about membership and signing people up. And that's it. And we have to do it in a very spiritual way. And it's supposed to be like this glorious church thing. But it definitely was about, it was about sales. It was about recruitment. And that's it. And I remember vividly when this guy came to the same meeting, I think, that I kind of had this this big switch uh, to kind of let go of the last of myself and become a full Mormon, right? I was still hanging on to the fact that I was, you know, a cool skateboarder and all, and I had life dream, I had big dreams and, and, and they, they were definitely in movie making and they were definitely in world travel and definitely being, you know, free and fun and loving. But I met with this guy that came back out to be this president for the next year. And, um, he was like, dude, well, he wouldn't say dude, but you know, just this tall, bald guy that, that never smiled. And he was so business, dude. He was like, they, I had one guy call him president lug wrench, you know, cause he was so, he, he was so fucking business. And I was like, okay, cool. You know, whatever. Like, and I'm just like, okay. Um, so we're, you know, we're just laughing. We're having a good time. We're like talking, you know, just like trying to be happy kids. Like kids should be just happy, you know, and don't get depressed and down on yourself, you know, just keep working your 70 hours a week and, um, you know, keep knocking those doors and keep talking to at least 20 new people a day, you know, just keep talking to 20 new people a day. That's, that's so easy, right? Just keep on doing your shit. And, um, uh, he came to this meeting and he was like, dude, no, I always say dude. He was, he was talking about, um, he was talking about numbers and he was saying, okay, elders, I'm going to try and, I'm going to try and channel him. Let me see. Elders. I have these, uh, these lists here. I want you to take a look at them. Okay, here's the Philadelphia mission. And there's the number of baptisms. And now here's our mission, the Harrisburg mission. 
Now here's the number of baptisms. What is going on? Last year, they had 700. And this and we in Harrisburg had 300. What's happening, elders? What's wrong? What's going on? And I just about lost it because I was like, there is no level of harder that I know of. I'm already doing my hardest work here. And there's no more level of kindness that I could come up with or tricks that I could do unless I start lying about whatever about if I really want to be a high pressure sales dick I would maybe increase some numbers if I want to make people feel bad about themselves until they join then yeah but no like this is Christ's church this is Jesus okay I'm not going to go and cross any lines I've heard other missionaries do because I've dealt with the people that left Mormonism after that missionary left the area. they He was just a smooth-talking son of a bitch who was very pushy and worked on their emotions and they got baptized and then they just left. Because either one, they, he's a young, attractive dude and he was definitely you know, playing on all sorts of sex appeal, I guess. I don't know. But I was like, I'm not that kind of guy. I'm not going to be. I don't give a fuck if Philadelphia has 700 baptisms and we only have three in Harrisburg. We're not Philadelphia, you fucking idiot. You fucking idiot. You fucking president. Fuck you for fucking my life up. Fuck you. And so from there... I was all stressed out. I was really triggered. I was really overwhelmed. Like, oh my God, like, how do we do this? Like, how do I, how do I work even harder? I'm already working so hard. How do I work any harder? And, and then we're in this, this car ride and he's like, cause he knew that I was not total Zuby. You know, I was not total Mormon and I was really having still a lot of loud laughter and a lot of fun, and you're supposed to swear that shit off in their fucking temple rituals, and you're supposed to be like, I swear, <laughs> I swear that I will never laugh loud, or speak evil of the Lord's anointed, or laugh, laugh, you know, make lighthearted jokes, or all sorts, like, oh my god, like, you just, whatever. So he knew I was not, I was not laughing quiet. I was I was really a fun funny person and I think he really chafed at that. And so we were in this car ride and I'll never forget it. He was just like, "Elder, you can have whatever kind of mission you want. And if you want to have a mission that you'll remember, then you need to really dig in and let your let the Lord, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. Basically what I was getting from him was I need to give up myself. I need to give up my true self, my happy, go-lucking, loud, laughing side of myself that was unwilling to submit to being a boring piece of shit. And so from there, I was really scared by this guy. He was really scary. And so I was like, you know what? All right, cool. So the best way to avoid old scary dudes talking 
to you like you're a piece of shit is to just be a Zuby. To just give in and say, you know what? I love this church. I am going to not laugh loud. I'm going to get up even earlier and start practicing the piano. I'm going to eat grape nuts for breakfast with raisins. I'm going to get a I'm going to get an exercise bike and I'm going to exercise my fucking guts out in the fucking morning even though I'm already fucking riding a bike every fucking day. I'm doing I'm jump roping, I'm push I'm doing my push-ups and sit-ups every morning. I'm eating healthy. I'm I'm just trying to fine comb tooth, clean out my fucking life. Okay? I am trying to do this shit. It takes you so deep. It ruins you. So you start, you better fucking start getting baptisms or else you are fucked. And they're not going to fuck you up. You're going to fuck yourself up. They, they just say the words and they give you the, harm, the self-harm tools. And all they do is walk away out of the room and let you start cutting yourself to ribbons inside. That's what I'm fucking talking about. I lost myself for no goddamn reason. I lost myself. And now that I've left Mormonism, I'm finally getting back to who I was and I love myself. I love who I am. I always did. I worked hard to become who I was before I was a Mormon missionary salesman. I loved me. And that is not a fucking crime. It's a fucking need. People need to love themselves, you sons of bitches. People need to never forget themselves. Never forget yourself. This is a fucking problem. So you get this child, this person that's been abused constantly and have been completely shattered for being a great person and being happy with himself to being this this complete morphed psychopath that loved the Book of Mormon when he got home and he didn't skateboard anymore. He didn't, he wasn't, he wasn't interested in world travel anymore, like so much. What he was interested in is raising a family in the gospel, getting those kids to the temple and serving a mission with his wife when he dies. That's what I wanted. That, that everything had been reprogrammed and, and, reconstructed and like total total blueprint mormon and i came out of that mission that sales trip completely fucked completely backwards upside down and the inside the the real me inside was just screaming to get out it was screaming to get out but you know what happened and i'm so glad it did i'm so glad this shit happened just like weeks before my, my, my sales trip was over, 2007, America suffers one, a catastrophe in the housing market, and it crashes. And then America suffers something that was unbelievable. And it was like a second depression. And, and I come home to a studio that was clo- had closed its doors. We were working on spiritual 
movies and I felt like that was my future. I I was completely I was completely excited to get back home and keep making these scriptural these scripture movies and and then then the the bottom drops out and says actually we had to close the studio and our main funder lost everything in this recession or whatever and it's it was it's been a nightmare and i was just like completely traumatized i was just like no way no fucking way and while i was on this sales trip my family experienced such like such a high level of stability like the the studio we were working for lightstone studios it you know it found this this uh really super mormon guy that just had a bunch of money and he just was pumping it full of money and it became like a, it started to become real like a legit studio and they were really putting more and more money into the movies and you know and then my fam my dad finally had like a, a like a full-time job working in movies and it was it was like a salary and it was like predictable it was stable and then they got to go to Hawaii okay my family goes to fucking Hawaii without me cuz i'm in pennsylvania okay so i'm in in pennsylvania my family's in hawaii i've never i'd never been to hawaii I worked really hard on those movies before I went on this the sales trip. So it's just work, 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 get nothing for it. Work, 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 get nothing for it. Work, 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 get nothing for it and feel made to feel like a piece of shit because you start complaining you're not getting anything for it, that you're a selfish bastard and you fucking suck. Okay, back to work, 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 work. My family gets to go to Hawaii without me because I am a salesman that can't come home for a trip to Hawaii that would have been paid for if I was there. I can't do that. I I couldn't do that. Like I could have. I should have. Oh my god, I should have just said, "Oh yeah, my family's going to Hawaii, so I'm going." It's like, "Oh, you can't." I'm like, "Yeah, I can. You can't fucking stop me." I'm going to fucking Hawaii now. Fuck you. Oh, well, um, well, that would be you would forfeit your your glorious uh, rest of your sales trip. And it's like, yeah, go for it. I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck. Take 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 me out. Like, I don't want to be here. I don't fucking not want to be here. And I want to go to Hawaii and fuck you guys. So yeah, it, they always everything flipped. Everything was flipped towards this great big, you know, this big thing that everyone needs to be grateful for all the hard work they get to do and that they get nothing for and they just need to be grateful for all this and you know if it was true if it was a real church it wouldn't be nearly as painful it was it was painful then but oh Jesus Christ no it is way too painful now because of all 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 the work that I went that went into this that organization from my body from my mental place from my everything from my missed opportunities everything 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 is fucked by them so yeah so I get home and I and I I suffer these immense losses I don't get to go to Hawaii and I don't 
get and and at the time by the way Jack Johnson was I was a huge Jack Johnson fan and I was like oh my god that's where Jack Johnson's from I love the vibe of Hawaii like it was such a stab and I had a a partner there too like I drove him crazy because I I just wanted him to like to be my friend but (laughs) he's like dude I'm way too cool for you and I'm like okay I get it you are too cool for me but he was from Hawaii. He's a white boy from Hawaii. And it was just, it was just so painful. And I was like, oh, maybe I get to, uh, maybe I get to, uh, you know, they go to Hawaii while I have a, a, a partner from Hawaii. Oh my God. It's like, it's like God's trying to speak to me or something like, yeah, he's trying to say, get the fuck out and go to Hawaii with your family and stop playing this fucking game. Okay. Stop it. Stop it. Move to California and get on with your life and get into the movies that you want. You don't want to live in Utah, then get the fuck out and start working in movies and skateboarding year-round in good weather, Johnny. Stop being an idiot! God! Anyway, so you get home and you're like, okay, all I know is what I know, that what they've been telling me to do, and don't have a critical thought, you know, and I've already sworn on my life not to to speak critically of these fuckers, so I'm just like, okay, so what do I do? I'm going to be in a play a spiritual play, because I love the arts, I love acting, I love performing, and then that's where my wife sees me for the first time, and she gets like this really strong feeling she needs to meet me, and she tells me that she got a strong feeling, and then I look at my my Mormon my Mormon uh, palm reading, or whatever you call it, it's a, it's a psychic reading called the a Patriarchal Blessing, but it's basically just a psychic reading, and they just tell you your future, and then you're supposed to live by it. They say in this psychic reading that I, a Mormon psychic reading that I had, was that um, that I, w- that my wife would be led to me by the spirit of God. Okay, so that was like this big, big sign to me that my psychic reading was real. And this is this is this is it, right? She said I had this strong feeling I need to meet you. And I said, well, great. This is great. Let's get this, see how this goes. And we got to know each other and we had a lot of fun. We went to dance, a few dances, and we kind of, you know, hung out. And then we just started talking about getting married. And it was just electric and it was crazy. And it was like, we thought that it was the spirit of God because I felt like my stomach, my stomach was on fire. And she said her stomach was on fire when I was like, maybe we should get married. And it was like, wow. And then she was like, no, but like, maybe we should date. I'm like, no, we need to get married. Like, this is, this is a sign from God. And she's like, oh man, oh boy. Oh, whoa, this is so much so fast. And then we just, yeah, it's, it's, it's so. (laughs) So when you realize that the Book of Mormon's a sham and all this is a sham, you just want to just run naked through the streets screaming with bloody a bloody nose being like, ah, they took my life from me. It, they made my life a living hell of a joke. Because their stupid book is not real. They are not real spiritual people. They are stockpilers of money. And they build buildings. They're like little Donald Trumps running around building buildings. So now I get to clean up the mess. I get to go through a divorce. I get to 
I get to realize that the girl I married does not want to be married to me, and I don't really want to be married to her either. But these, these physical bonds, these deep emotional spiritual bonds are forged. They are forged within me. And to let go of this is like, it is like searing fucking hot white pain every fucking time I think about it. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. But you know what? Fuck them. We're not going to be beat by this shit. We're not. So now we get, we have four children and these kids, they, they will not suffer. They will not suffer because of this. They will not. It's like, no, you know what? Full, full blame goes to the Mormon church kids. Oh, really? Yep. That church is the cause of any pain you feel right now because of me and mommy not being married. It's because of that church. And, oh, wow. Great. Cool. Yeah. But we're still going to be we're still going to be family and and there's nothing there's nothing else. That's it. And whatever happens from here, it's you know, you kids know that you you're not in a cult and that your mommy and daddy escaped it and just know that we love you and doesn't matter if you're gay, it doesn't matter if it doesn't matter if you marry someone from a different walk of life or race or even a religion like it doesn't matter what matters most is our connection and our bond that we have and that we have fun together and that we love each other that's just the most fucking important thing ever and and that church will never get between me and my kids and if they do which they never will but if they do then you'll you'll probably see You'll probably see it on the news because they are awful. They are awful. Absolutely awful. So this is really why it's hard to go to therapy when it's not with an ex-Mormon therapist. It's really hard because we end up spending paying to educate therapists about our specific problem because it's it's unique it's a very small amount of people on this planet that suffer from this problem specifics right jehovah's witnesses scientologists uh orthodox jew like whatever what other other cult or high high uh high control religions out there they they all have their different twists though and they all twist the dagger in a different way but I was just listening to a podcast with John DeLynn and Leah Romini and uh, friend Mike. I don't know his name, but he's got a really just amazing, really difficult, uh, difficult uh, accent to to uh, imitate. But I love I love him so much. Oh man, I'm butchering it, but. He's so cool. I love the Scientologists. I love the ex-Scientologists. Seriously. Oh, man. Oh, man. So great. I'm so grateful for Leah Romini coming out and just... I hope I say her name right. And, and just coming out and just saying, dude, like, this is not okay! And I'm just like, whoa. 
and you, you learn about their religion and you're like, oh, wait, 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 what? This is really similar to like mine, but not so harsh. But yeah, like I can, I am, this is a similar smell. Like this is a similar taste. So, oh, I love them so much. I love John DeLynn. Oh my God, I love John DeLynn. I'm so grateful for him. Oh my God, man. Like he's really gone to the gallows over this shit. And he's just, he's every time it's just like, yep, I'm going to do yet another podcast episode. And you're like, keep going, bro. Keep going. So I love him. But anyway, so yeah, whatever, whatever pain we feel in the divorce and in going through this, you know, this separation, um, it's great because it's been a sham from the beginning. It's just a Mormon sham marriage. And we can let it go and heal. We don't have to be like beholden to it. And it, you know, it's, it's just the kids, it's the kids are so much more important than, than holding a marriage, you know, a sham marriage alive. And, and two people that didn't want to get married in the first place, but their religion really dictated them and, and influenced and, I mean, I'm going to say coerced, like, because of, because of all of the invisible shame and all the invisible knives at your back, you know, if you, if you don't want to slip down that slippery slope of sexual, you know, indulgence, you, you need to get married so you can have sex, but then it opens a whole nother can of worms when you realize that when you get married for sex, when you didn't even know what sex was, and on and on and on. I mean, it's it's unbelievable. And the amount of shame people go through for a divorce is just insurmountable. And you hear people just crying and lamenting over wishing they never got divorced or, you know, that just just constant, constant madness that makes you so fucking afraid of divorce. But you know what, man, like, I want Lindsay to have the freedom in her life to do what she wants to do. I mean, she really, really needs freedom from me. And I need freedom from her, like, to, to like, live our lives the way we want, but then also close enough that we help each other with the children. And there's um, a very strong culture here in Sweden uh, for separation and divorce to make it a good situation. Um, so, so when people are not happy or they're not thriving and they've tried, I mean, I'm not saying like people that relationships should come easy or else you should just end them. I'm saying that once you've tried for years and years and years and years and years and gone to therapy and, and tried these, you know, just all sorts of different ideas, you know, it just, the fact is, two, not any two people can make a marriage work, and that's bullshit. And that's a really big, a really big, um, uh, what's the word? It's not disclaimer. It's a, what the hell is that word when it's a fallacy? It's a really big fallacy that the Mormon church shares and pushes, you know, relentlessly that any two people can make a marriage work. Bullshit. Bull fucking shit. It doesn't matter if you don't want to be together and you've tried, then that's, that's it. You are done. And, um, and it's really hard, but dude, I'm, we're going to start therapy next week. 
We're going to go through all this together. We're going to make sure that we handle this well for the kids and that we have to live together for a little longer, but eventually we're going to find our way into two, st- two stable incomes so, sh- so she can have her place, I can have my place, we can share the kids back and forth each week, get them to school, and you know, just, just try our damnedest to live a, a beautiful life regardless of this fucking religion that fucked everything up. And, um, so yeah, so it's great. It's great. Cause Sweden has the system in, in place to not limit a woman because of divorce, not give her, uh, the childcare is completely affordable, completely affordable. Like I think you max out on having to pay. I think it's the max you pay for full child support or child care so you can both work is $250 a month for all four kids. All four of my kids can have before and after school programs and daycare for $250 a month max. And then from there, we just, it's all just supported by, by the system. So um, I think that we need to rip money out of the wealthy's hands and in America and, and introduce systems like this that support and save people's lives from becoming a living hell. Because the problem is, it's not the people only that suffer the trauma, it's the children that suffer the trauma, and then their children that suffer trauma, and their children. And then we have a generational loop of trauma that never ends, because they were never able to get to have the breathing room to recover from this cosmic blast. And, and I think that this, this goes for a lot of people. And, and this, this disgusting, stark, you know, purity Christian culture in America is it keeps people making these terrible mistakes too. It's just like, yeah, you don't have sex until you're married. And then you get married young, and then it turns into shit, and then everyone hates each other, and then this enormous explosion, people, people even, you know, Either oh it 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 gets so ugly so if it you know if people aren't really just summoning up some crazy amount of uh, supernatural strength or support they really don't they don't really make it well out of that shit they get into so I think that it's beautiful what Sweden's doing I believe in Sweden so heavily because of like what I see behind the systems and the, and the programs, because it's, it's giving people the freedom they need to, to live a happy life um, and to not make things about money and not make things about like, you know, that people should be, have access to happiness, uh, to making their life as happy as possible, regardless of, you know, of their social um, status and their, their income. So anyway, so that's all just a thought. And I keep telling other people about it here that, you know, we're, we're on our way to get divorced and and split up and they're like, Oh yeah, I'm divorced too. It's all about the children. Just the children need to make sure you need to make sure the children do well because they're the most important. And I'm like, Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Great. I love that. And, you know, that's, that's pretty much, 
the main thing I'm getting from people is that it's here in Sweden, it's, it's the kids that are the most important, you know, that your feelings in a divorce are so important, of course, because you're the people that are going through it, but the children, you know, the children can't suffer for this. Like, it's not their fault at all, at all. And they can't carry that with them anywhere. You know, they have to have a hundred percent confidence that, that nothing they've done in their life has, has incited this divorce. It's, completely not their fault. So we just have to go with this and just just move move on. But I think Sweden is an amazing place to go through it. I and and we hope to live close. I mean we have we, we just have to live close together because we we love each other. We are a family. We really are. And me and Lindsay need our space from each other to live the lives we never got to live and to meet people on our own, in our own, you know, just be ourselves and to stop having to, to worry about what each other thinks of us. And it's just gone on for far too long. It's, I think 12 years is enough time to realize you just, you just, you know, you've, you've given it your all. This is the 13th year, I think that we've been married and it's just like, it's fine you know, end it, end it, end this relationship, and let other people into our lives, at that, if we want, and make sure these kids are just well taken care of, and that they know the, the, that they are taught the, this terrible life trap that these religions, especially the Mormon religion, sets for people, because it's a really nice place to be, and that's the happiest, it's, it's, you know, always, always, always advertised as the happiest people. It's just, they're so happy. And why wouldn't you want to be happy? So anyway, that's, that's a little bit of me today. And I really appreciate your guys' support. It's not fucking easy talking about this shit, especially before it's even happened, you know, it's so scary, but I want to face this in a way that is prepared, you know, that, that people know that it's okay that Johnny's out on a date with someone because, because that he is, you know, he's separating from his wife and it's okay to see Lindsay out on a date with someone because She's separating from her husband and they're, they're getting a divorce, but they're just doing it well. We're going, we're going to take this slow and just support one another. And I'm going to give Lindsay all the support she needs to get uh, the education. She needs to get a job so she can have her own house. And we're going to go to therapy once a week to deal with um, struggles that we go through, be cohabiting cohabitating, cohabitating, um, but not being like, you know, romantic couples, uh, a romantic couple, and that we still have, you know, are able to resolve conflict, and in a very healthy way, and so, yeah, it's, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming, but I mean, what's most important, I think, is day-to-day living, and I could die today, I could die tomorrow, like, anyone could die any day and what 
as long as we're faced in the correct direction we want to go that will that will enable us to feel happy and, and relief and, and peace and comfort. That you know, and it's it's just it's understandable what we're all, what what I'm going through. It's understandable what Lindsay's going through, you know? And and um so yeah, yeah, we'll uh, we'll just leave it there today. It's a little over an hour, so but this has been lovely. It's been so good, so empowering. I feel so heard right now. I hope you guys have a great day, and we'll see you on the next episode. Thanks.